The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. From four games on Monday to 17 games on Tuesday, we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on August 11th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. I kind of cheated there. There were 17 games on the schedule. One of them got rained out. They only played an inning. Whatever. I cheated. How you doing, Scott? I'm good. Doing good. Good to hear. Good to hear, Scott. It's a very yeah. very late start here. Uh, lots of West Coast games as well, so apologies. But we needed the data. Let's do it. Let's talk about the games. Oh, my good goodness gracious. I didn't even ask you who you wanted to do for oh my goodness gracious before we started here, Scott. Something we usually do. I know. I know. I hate when you do that, Frank. <laughs> I don't give it any thought until you ask me about it. So, so here's what we'll do. I'll get us started. You can think about who you want to talk about. I have actually multiple players, so I, I cheated a little bit. But I'll start with Anthony Santander, who had a double dong on Tuesday. Now has three homers over his last two games. He's 47% rostered. And in August, super small sample size, seven games, he is batting 429. The strikeout rate is way down. The fly ball rate is way up. He's hitting the ball a lot harder as well. And we spoke about him the other day, and you compared him to Mike Moustakis last season. Anthony Santander kind of had this Mike Moustakis-esque yep. profile where, again, he was making lots of contact. He was putting the ball in the air. You do that in Camden Yards, Good things are going to happen, Scott. Your interest level in a 47% rostered Anthony Santander. Look, it's not there yet. He hasn't been doing Mike Moustakis-like things. And what does that even mean anymore? I mean, who is Mike Moustakis to the people listening right now? I'm not even sure that comparison is, uh, is going to get people excited anyway. But the things he was doing last year that got me so excited, 15.2% strikeout rate very good uh, and putting the ball in the air a ton which you know to some degree that that works against the the batting averages you're gaining the batting average points you're gaining with the low strikeout rate all those fly balls but it, it of course helps you put balls over the fence too which is the most valuable thing of all so you know strikeout rates significantly higher this year and uh it's not like the home run output has been particularly, you know, particularly noteworthy. So three home runs in two days. Eh, I'm just, I'm not sure that's really moving the needle for me. 
That's fair. Again, it's a super small sample size. I'm paying close attention to this to see if it carries on throughout August. Again, it's only been seven games. It's a small sample size, but throughout this month, the strikeout rate is way down again, and the fly balls were actually up in July as well. So if he keeps that up, I'm thinking good things are going to happen for Anthony Santander hitting in Camden Yards. Let's rank Santander with a couple of other outfielders who had big games on Tuesday. Rafael Ortega went four for seven across two games with a stolen base. They had a doubleheader on Tuesday. He's now batting over 400 in 25 second half games. He is 40% rostered. And then Lorenzo Cain went one for three in game one of that doubleheader with his fourth home run of the season. He is batting 341 with one homer, three steals, in 11 games since coming off the IL, 25% rostered. Scott ranks Santander, Ortega, and Lorenzo Kane. I would definitely go Kane number one. Kane is doing his usual Kane things, making contact at a high rate. He's uh, been running since coming back from the IL, too. I think he already has three stolen bases in about two weeks' time. And uh, if he's going to do that at his age, coming off a leg injury... You know, I, I take that as a very good sign. I take that as a good sign. I think there's some batting average correction that's going to come in, in a good way. And uh, he's playing virtually every day, too. So I don't know why he can't get back to being the Lorenzo Cain we've always known based on all the factors I'm seeing right now. So he's he's pretty easily number one. Ortega versus Santander, 2-3. I'm just, I'm not convinced of the upside for Santander, which isn't to say I am for Ortega either, but I, I feel like he's a little more interesting right now because he might run a little bit. You know, it, it looks like he might be a better bet for batting average too. Uh, would you agree that all three of these should be rostered in five outfielder leagues? Should be. I think that's a little strong. Mm. I think that's a little strong. Even my favorite is highly available. Uh, I think Kane needs to be rostered in five outfielder leagues. I'm not saying you can't roster Ortega or Santander in five outfielder leagues, but it it wouldn't surprise me if I didn't have room for them either. All right. Oh my goodness gracious for you, Scott. Did you did you pick a name out yet? Yeah, I did. I did. You don't it's sound very. Barnes. You don't sound very excited. Well, I'm not sure what to say about Matt Barnes. He got. Uh, he had some trouble. He had some trouble in a tie game for the Red Sox against the Rays. Gave up four earned runs, two hits, two walks. And that was after a blown save in his previous outing. Two earned runs and a third of an inning against the Blue Jays. And now in five appearances this month, he's given up a total of seven earned runs, which isn't great isn't a great time to be imploding here as a closer. You know, now that we're in the home stretch, his ERA is suddenly ballooned to 352. I'm not sure anything's wrong with him. I'm looking at it now. Spin seems about the same. Velocity's fine. I'm not sure there's really anything wrong with him, but this is how it goes for closers sometimes, where you can just have a rough patch and suddenly your job's in jeopardy. Of course, overall Barnes has had an amazing season in spite of what his ERA is now. His, his numbers have been fantastic up until very recently here. So, and I'm not saying the Red Sox are for sure going to make a change, but it wouldn't surprise me if they at least hesitate to go back to Matt Barnes. Uh, you know, somebody like Adam Adovino, he's gotten, 
he's gotten eight saves just filling in for Barnes here and there. So it seems like they're they already have a comfort level with him in that role. I'd be a little worried right now if I had Matt Barnes. I'm not saying like drop him or anything because I mean we're talking like top five potential. That's what he's been for most of the season, but it's been really rocky lately. That is insane that Adam Adovino has eight saves this season, even with Matt Barnes having 24. Yeah. 32 total saves for the Red Sox this year. That is a massive amount. It's only August 11th, so that is, <laughs> that's a pretty big amount there for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, anyway, for Matt Barnes, yeah, I, I don't really see why he's struggling because the ways he usually struggles are with walks, and that hasn't mm. been an issue for him all season long. I mean, he's at 2.7 walks. He did have two walks today, so... Right. Okay, but before this, his other struggles, it, it hasn't been walks. So even with yeah, today, I mean, it, 2.7, again, 2.7 walks per nine, like that's that's not bad for a reliever. So, And the strikeouts have still been really good for him. So, Yeah, it doesn't take much. It You know, relievers don't pitch many innings just by the nature of the role. So it doesn't take much of a hiccup to really, uh, for, for things to start, for for the numbers to go askew. And, and, and that's why... That's why it's so volatile. That's why it's so volatile. I mean, I think Matt Barnes is still their best reliever. Uh, you know, not knowing everything that's going on with him, I, I think they should probably just stick with him, but I'm not sure they're going to. Yeah, and Adam Adovino, for what it's worth, he is 16% rostered. He doesn't have great numbers this year, 3.7 ERA. He's got a whip over 1.3. Yeah, 1.33 whip. So it's not that it's not like he's been great this season either, but he has consistently been the eighth inning man and the fill-in for Matt Barnes whenever he can't go. I do want to give a quick, oh my goodness gracious, shout out to Griffin Jacks. Where did this come from? Up against the White Sox on Tuesday. Six innings, three runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. Nine of those came on the slider. His previous two starts, Scott, he had a 4.4% swinging strike rate. So I really don't know where this came from with Griffin Jacks. He's only 6% rostered. Anything, well, anything to see here? Well, you only cited the previous two starts. Go back yep. one more start. And I know he got sent down to the minors for a start prior to the previous two. So, you know, that's probably why you broke it up that way. But three starts ago, Griffin Jacks had 16 swinging strikes. So now two of his last four starts... He's had a lot of whiffs for some reason. Now, he didn't even have a strikeout per inning at the, in the minors. The overall numbers, the ERA and whip, they were pretty good, 332 and 118. Uh, but I don't I don't know why he has these occasional starts where the whiffs just spike for him and he gets a lot of strikeouts, but that's now two and four that's happened. And, you know, after that one start, when he got sent back down right away, we said, eh, this might be something to keep an eye on. So that's still where I am with Griffin Jacks. I mean, he's not a young guy. His minor league track record, you know, it's it's not like it makes your eyes bug out or anything. So I uh, I don't suspect there's much here, but if next time out he does something similar, I might start to change my tune. Griffin Jacks, he is 26 years old again, eight six uh, percent rostered. Throw him on the scout team. That's what we say for guys like Griffin Jacks. If you play in a deeper league, 15 team roto. AL only probably should already be rostered in AL only, but you could take a shot in those deeper leagues, but anything shallower, throw him on the scout team. Before we hit the news and notes, we'd like to welcome another fantasy football podcast to the CBS Sports family, Fantasy Football Today DFS. Get ready to dominate daily fantasy this year with optimized lineups, stacks, perceived ownership, leverage plays, and more. Join Mike McClure, Sienna Jod, and me. 
Frank Stanfield, two times per week in the FFT DFS feed. Our first episode actually dropped on Tuesday. If you want to go check it out, we talked about cash game strategy for NFL DFS with a very early look at week one, some lines and some salaries on DraftKings and on FanDuel, you can download and follow the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And speaking of which, starting next week, I'm sorry, apologies in advance, but this podcast and Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, they're not going away. Only once a week they're going away. So we are moving to four days per week starting next week. We'll still be doing live streams. Sunday night and then Tuesday through Thursday night, you can expect a podcast in your feed on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for both Fantasy Baseball Today and Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 starting next week. Again, apologies in advance. We do appreciate all of your support, but in all honesty, it's just getting tougher with football coming and, and putting out more football content and, and trying to keep up with everything that's going on with baseball. God bless Adam Azer because I don't know how he did this for as long as he did. That guy is just built different because it's it's hard, man. It is hard to don't, keep up with. Don't be football. modest, Frank. Everyone wants a piece of Frank. That's why this is happening. Everyone <laughs> wants a piece. Is that what then, is that true? Is that what they're saying, Scott? I don't know. That, that well, uh, look, they're having you host this fan. What what is it called? Fantasy football today, DFS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't ask Adam Azer to do that. Maybe they did. I'm sure they tried. Anyway, news and notes. Uh, both Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery could return from the COVID IL and start this weekend against the Chicago White Sox would be a welcome sight for both of those guys. Mookie Betts is still dealing with his right hip issue and may be placed on the IL on Wednesday. So there was a stretch there where Mookie Betts looked like he was coming around, went on the IL. And you know what happened? They moved happened? him back to the outfield. Things were going fine at second base. Second he was base. making plays on the the left field side of the bag, and <laughs> he was hitting great. And they they set they they put him there because they thought it would help keep the hip healthy. And then the first time he goes out to the outfield, mm-hmm. suddenly he's being removed with more hip trouble. So, you know, one appearance short of picking up second base eligibility, <sighs> and now many games short of. Being in your lineup, I don't I don't know how long he's going to be out, but that's frustrating. Very frustrating. Yeah, you're right. Four games at second base this season on CBS. You only need five games to pick up that eligibility. And speaking of which, yes, John Carlos Stanton played his fifth game in the outfield on Tuesday. So he now has outfield eligibility for what it's worth. Not like he's been great. He's just over an 800 OPS on the season. Alex Bregman will rejoin AAA Sugarland, my favorite AAA Team name, that's awesome. To continue his rehab assignment on Friday, he's expected back nope. next week, assuming yeah. no setbacks. Yeah. The year of the well, he's setback. expected back this week. <laughs> right. Year of the setback is right. Hashtag year of the setback. Can't anybody just get better? <sighs> we need you. We need you, Alex Bregman. Yuli Gurriel is expected to be activated on Friday. Jared Walsh was not activated on Tuesday as the Angels had hoped. Reese Hoskins went to the IL with a groin strain. Brad Miller started at first base on Tuesday. Travis Darno is set to rejoin the Atlanta Braves on Wednesday. He's 35% rostered and finished as a top five catcher in both formats last season, Roto and in head-to-head points. And I could see dropping him right into my top 12, maybe even top 10 catchers, Scott. I mean, he was that good and the Braves lineup even without Ronald Acuna, is still a very good lineup, Scott. So what do you think about putting him back in that top 10, top 12 range right away? 
I moved him up to 13, but ahead of him, I still have Yasmani Grandal, who isn't healthy at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, practically speaking, yeah, Darno is back in my top 12. Now, he hadn't, he wasn't performing that well before getting hurt. Uh, and that injury was way back in April, right? So, not you know, only 23 game sample for Travis Darno. So, not really much to go on, but, you know, there, there was some skepticism as to how legitimate that 2020 performance was, and I think there still should be. Having said that, it's catcher. You know, it's the catcher position. And if you already mixed, missed out on Max Stassi, Eric Haas, Mitch Garver, you know, when you had your shot at them, I think I think it's worth taking a chance on Travis Darno. I'd do it over, you know, I'd, I'd rather do that than continue languishing like, a, like with a Christian Vasquez or Yadier Molina. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Even like a James McCann, a Sean Murphy, who you could have dropped a while ago, but with Jan Gomes going there, the playing time has basically been split evenly between those two. Looking at the rankings, yeah, I think I'm probably going to drop him right into 12, just behind Omar Narvaez and Elias Diaz, who I, I moved way up, but he's just absolutely crushing the ball right now for the Colorado Rockies. Rymel Tapia was placed on the IL with a right big toe sprain. Connor Joe started in left field on Tuesday. Ross Stripling left Tuesday start with left abdominal discomfort. Mark Hanna left with eye irritation. Akil Badu left after a pretty scary collision with center fielder Derek Hill, where they were basically running full speed trying to, trying to catch a ball in, in left center and just collided with each other. So I hope everything's all right with both of those guys. Justin Turner is not expected back until Friday at the earliest. Javier Baez was out of the lineup due to lower back tightness. Jose Urquidy will begin a rehab assignment on Wednesday. Andrew McCutcheon could be activated off the IL on Wednesday. Alex Verdugo likely will not return from the paternity list until Thursday. Matthew Boyd will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Thursday. He's 41% rostered, but Scott, I would imagine you don't have much interest in Boyd because you didn't really like him earlier in the season no. anyway. You got it. I got it. Brendan Rodgers was out for his second straight game with a hand contusion. Kwang Hyun Kim went to the IL on who went to the IL on Monday does not have any Anything structurally wrong with his left elbow? Nick Anderson will rejoin AAA on Thursday. He is 16% rostered if you want to speculate on the Rays' bullpen, which, eh, it's pretty sketchy most of the time anyway. Rowan Wick was activated off the IL on Tuesday, and I was just scrolling through. There's so many box scores today, but I believe in a game that they lost 6-3, to the Cubs pitched Rowan Wick in the ninth inning, so I don't know how much that actually means. But it's something. He's 3% rostered for those in the deepest of leagues. Who needs it would have saves. been the seventh inning because it was part of a doubleheader. You are but, correct. That but was, that was you, the you final know. inning that they played, but it was the seventh. Exactly. Inning. Yeah. Uh, we had a bunch of hitters return on Tuesday. Josh Rojas for the Diamondbacks. Josh Donaldson started at DH. Michael Brantley was back for the Astros. And Randy Rosarena returned from the COVID IL. A few prospect updates. Nate Pearson was delayed by a non-COVID illness, but should join AAA Buffalo for rehab work by the end of this week. The Blue Jays have plans to use Pearson as a reliever for the rest of the season, and it's just baby steps, but Jaron Duran has back-to-back multi-hit games. So, as someone who spent a lot of money on him in FAB in a 15-team league, I am rooting for Jaron Duran, as I hope everybody mm-hmm. is. We want to see the prospects perform well. Yeah, I, I think I dropped him in a couple leagues this weekend. 
Not not as deep as a 15-team Roto League. But. I, I can't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things where 15-team Roto, five outfielders, It's you need anything that you can get. So, Jared sure. Duran, we're rooting for you, buddy. Scott, you have an article that went up on the site. By the way, I mean, we're about 20 minutes into the podcast. We are going to talk about the circle of trust. A few names here in the circle of trust. Are they in or out? The drop-o-meter. Did you know I have some fun facts Anything to see here? Some starting pitchers that pitched on Tuesday. But let's start with that circle of trust because you have an article that is on the site now and it was Mm -hmm. published before these pitchers made their starts on Tuesday. So it's interesting. But Mm. Zach Gallen was at the Giants. Wait a second, wait a second. Before we get into it. Okay. Do you know what movie the circle of trust comes from? What what, what movie that, (laughs) that, that term had a central part in? Well, I read your article, Scott, so I already know. <laughs> but if you asked me this without me reading it, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you, although I have seen that movie. You've seen it at least. I just okay. I just wouldn't have remembered that right. that part of the movie. But yeah, it's from yeah. is it Meet the Family or Meet the Fockers? Uh, it's Meet the Parents. Meet the Meet, Parents. Meet the Fockers was the uh the sequel to it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they made a third one, Meet the Family. I don't know if the, I, I'm probably just making that up, but yeah. I think it was called Little Fockers. I, I actually, <laughs> I actually didn't see any of the sequels, but you, Meet the Parents is a classic. You probably don't need to. I think that's the one where uh, yeah. they spike the volleyball, right? And like someone starts mm-hmm. bleeding in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Of all the things that happened in that movie, that's what stands out to me. But in the movie, if you get removed from the circle of trust, then you're out. So. Uh, let's let's find out about some of these guys. Can can they work their way back in? I don't know. Zach Gallen at the Giants, six innings, seven hits, five runs. He did have seven strikeouts in this start. Over his last five starts, he has a five point nine eight ERA. Scott, the circle of trust for Zach Gallen. He's out of the circle of trust oh. for me. At least he was in the article. This this was this start was kind of interesting though, because part of the reason he was out of the circle of trust for me. I mean, I mean the biggest reason is that. Back in May, he sprained his elbow. It's which is to say he suffered ligament damage in his elbow. There was some fear at the time he might have to be shut down for the season. Maybe go in for Tommy John surgery. These were these were questions. These were possibilities that were being raised. And uh, you know he he came back. He's been back for a while, so you know we kind of that that's kind of been swept under the rug. But he just hasn't looked as crisp. You know he he was. Uh, over 12% swinging strike rate last year, under 10 this year, which is bad. Like, that's a really low swinging strike rate, right? Mm-hmm. He's had some starts where he's looked decent, two earned runs or fewer. He's had some starts where he struck out more than a batter per inning, but the consistency hasn't been there. The crispness hasn't been there. I've been scared he was just going to blow up at some point, that the things weren't quite right and he was just getting away with it. And, you know, you could argue how much he was getting away with it because the combined ERA still wasn't that great. But he got 13 whiffs in this one, 13 swinging strikes against the Giants. So that's saying something. And that's the highest swinging strike total he's gotten in a game since before the elbow issues. And I think this is back-to-back starts now with double-digit swinging strikes, which he hadn't done at all since coming back from that injury until these back-to-back starts. So, you know, I'm wondering if he started to feel a little healthier. It could just be a fluke, a coincidence, whatever. Uh, I would still say he's out of the circle of trust. And, you know, the way I framed it in the article, being out of the circle of trust doesn't necessarily mean you have to drop him. 
Although I have mentioned that I have dropped Gallon in some shallower leagues. It just means he's not somebody you should think of as like a fixture in your lineup. You're, you're going to have to deploy him very cautiously, only with the right matchups, only under the right circumstances. And so I would still say Gallon's out of the circle of trust. But unlike, unlike Jack, I forget his last name, Robert De Niro's character from Meet the Parents, when you're out of the circle of trust for me, you can get back in. It's not you're out for good. So okay. fear not, Zach Gallon. You you could still find your way back in the circle of trust. All right. Jack Burns, I believe, is his name yeah, in the movie. That's right. There you go. Yeah. All right. So you can you can work your way back in. Yeah, this was an interesting start for Zach Gallon. You're right about that. 13 swinging strikes, a 34% CSW. Again, that's caught now. You see now Chris messed me up. It's called strikes plus whiffs. And league average is 28%. So 34% for Gallon here is very good. And only one walk. To me, that's the biggest key for Zach Gallon. I don't know what has gone so awry for him, but that year that he had in the minors where he was just amazing, his control was fantastic. And since then, I mean, he's been called up, and maybe it's just him nibbling too much or not trusting in his stuff, but his walks have been hit massive this season over four walks per nine. It's been a huge issue for Zach gallon. Maybe the injuries have contributed to it, but gallon currently outside of Scott's top 50 starting pitcher ranks and out of the circle of trust as well. Let's see if he could work his way back in the other one, Sonny gray and Sonny gray is actually very similar to Zach gallon in that they get a good amount of strikeouts. They don't go deep into their starts, but they just walk way too many guys and Sonny gray at the Braves on Tuesday, five innings, three hits, two runs, three more walks, did have eight strikeouts, only eight swinging strikes on 89 pitches. However, the velocity down between 1.1 miles per hour and 2.4 miles per hour on each of his four seam sinker, slider, and curveball. Don't like to see that. The ERA is at 4.40. The circle of trust for Sonny Gray. You're picking all the bad ones. Sonny Gray's out of the circle of trust Ooh, for me, too. He's out. He's out, yeah. And then this is kind of an uncomfortable one because... If he was a if if he qualified, he would be fifth in XFIP. And you know, if if I'm going to cite any single stat uh, as a predictor for 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 what it what it, as a predictor for a pitcher going forward, it would be XFIP. That would be the single stat. If if you were limiting me to just one, that would be the one I'd pick. So it's it's uncomfortable going against a pitcher whose XFIP is that good. But you know, this is. These observations date back to last year for Sonny Gray, where even though the strikeout rate is good, even though the ground ball rate is good, and, and those are, of course, help explain why he has such low XFIP, he's just not efficient enough. He walks too many guys. He doesn't go deep enough into games to make a real impact. I do think the ERA over four, the whip uh, being over, is it over 1.4? What's the whip? For at, I believe it's 1.38 after this start. So very high whip, high ERA. You know, it, it does look like he may have had some bad Babbitt luck. It does look like he may have had some bad home run luck that are contributing to those inflated ERA and whip. Nonetheless, even, even if he hadn't had that bad luck, I still don't think that the impact would be such that I'd consider him a must-start pitcher. Again, just because he's out of the circle of trust doesn't mean you have to drop Sonny Gray, never ever start him. But, you know... You really got to choose your spots with them. I know that people aren't going to want to hear this, Scott, and I don't have a good reason for what I'm about to say, but I think that there are certain pitchers where you can kind of just look at the underlying numbers 
and you just don't agree with them for whatever reason, even though they're there and, and we use them to help with our analysis day mm-hmm. in and day out. So usually that's what our process is. And, and that's what, you know, this process tells us that Sonny Gray should be better moving forward if he continues to pitch at this level. But there are still just things in his profile. First pitch strike percentage has consistently been lower than league average in his career. Doesn't get a ton of swinging strikes, right around 11% consistently. His chase rate is not very good. I mean, there's just there are just things where if you watch Sonny Gray, he's very inconsistent. So I, I hear what you're mm-hmm. saying, and I don't know if that's like a good enough explanation, but there are just a few players for me. No, where, I mean, there's there's if if there was a perfect stat for predicting how good a pitcher could be, then you know this would be way easier than it is. <laughs> yeah, and right. whoever invented that stat would be a millionaire. That's that is correct. Um, if not more. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Lance Lynn's a good example of the other direction. His his XFIP yeah. this year is 383. His XFIP last year was 434. You know, and, and XFIP is going to underestimate pitchers who are consistently good at suppressing hard contact. And, and you know, part of the reason... So, for, for instance, Lance Lynn's XERAs look closer to his actual ERA than his XFIP. But the reason I generally trust XFIP over XERAs is because I don't think many pitchers are good at repeating that uh, that soft contact rate year after year, that soft t- contact rate that XERA so rewards. But Lance Lynn is. Yeah, look, it's it's not it's not perfect. We're going to use uh, all these different tools to try and help us figure things out and help you guys figure things out. But yeah, it's just there's some things with Sonny Gray. Other pitchers that are out of the circle of trust. I'm not going to give away the whole article because I want some people to go. I want all people to go read it. But Taiwan Walker and Joe Ross, they're out. They're out of the circle of trust for now. Get out. Get out of here. One pitcher that remained in the circle was Aaron Nola. And man, I mean, if it wasn't for the rain, who knows what would have happened in this start. But the game went into a rain delay. Aaron Nola at the time, four shutout, only one hit, zero walks, seven strikeouts against the Los Angeles Dodgers. He had 13 swinging strikes on 51 pitches. I don't know how the start would have ended, but it looked like it was trending towards being one of, if not, Aaron Nola's best start of the season. So, yep. let's keep it yep. up. Let's keep it, it looked up. Like, he looked like he belonged in that circle of trust, which is just where I left him. As we've said the last few times, We've talked about Aaron Nola. Basically, everything looks as good as it ever has for Aaron Nola, except the fly balls and the home runs. And uh, he's talked about struggling to get his fastball down. That would certainly explain both of those numbers. Somebody who's used to, whose success has come from pitching down in the zone. But the home runs have, you know, his, his previous start wasn't that good, but he gave up only one home run in it. And I think this is, if we include today's start, abbreviated though it was, I think uh, that's four straight starts where the home runs have uh, really not been an issue anymore. So I, I think he's getting back on track with that. And if that's the case, as good as he's been at missing bats and avoiding walks this year, Aaron Nola, you know, from today forward, it's not a stretch to say he could be a top five pitcher from today forward. It's not a stretch to say he could be the number one pitcher. That's obviously, you know, asking for a lot of things to go right, but he has that kind of ability, does Aaron Nola. The rain also cut short starts by Max Scherzer, who was pitching very well. Carlos Carrasco, who only pitched one inning. He allowed a three-run homer to Juan Soto. So maybe it was a good a good thing that that game got cut short for Carlos Carrasco. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to fire up the dropometer here on Fantasy Baseball Today. 
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, let's quickly just start with those two starting pitchers who are out of the circle of trust now, Scott. You mentioned just because they're out doesn't mean you have to drop them, but First off for Zach Allen, he's still 87% rostered. What is the drop-o-meter for him? I would say for Zach Allen, the drop-o-meter is lower today than it was yesterday. I will put it at about a 5. A 5. So Yeah, straight down the middle. Ten, How helpful is that? 10-team leagues, maybe some 12-team points leagues? Yeah, I mean... Anything where you got more than 300 players roster, I, I can't imagine you're going to be dropping Zach Gallen. But mm-hmm. in the 250 range, you know, you, you may have already been pressed into doing that. What about Sonny Gray? I hate to be boring, but I, I'm going to say five again. <laughs> <laughs> Would you drop either for Logan Webb or Josiah Gray? <sighs> Boy, I just moved both of those guys up. I can't remember where I move them in relation to Gray and Gallon. I here real quick. You have Zach Gallon at SP52. You have Logan Webb at 55, just ahead of Sonny Gray. Okay. So here's how I rank them. Gallon, Logan Webb, Sonny Gray, Josiah Gray. That's how I rank them. And you have, they're all very close. They're all within 10 spots, 8 spots. You have John Gray and Josiah Gray ranked back-to-back. It's definitely right. not confusing at all, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, I abbreviate what, what I, I've. Here's the thing. So, you know, Sonny Gray versus John Gray, I could always just in my notes here write J Gray or S Gray, mm-hmm. right? Now that Josiah Gray's here, I I can't just go with J Gray and I can't go J O Gray either. That's right. I got to either spell out John Gray or go with Joss Gray. And that's just. Yeah, that's that's just a great day for for everyone. <laughs> that's asking too much. All right, drop yeah. meter. I've got a few hitters here that are really struggling in the second half so far, which is right around twenty to twenty five games. But Matt Chapman is batting one fifty six in the second half. He's got a forty two percent strikeout rate. Earlier in the season, Scott, we said you could drop Matt Chapman, and then there was a couple of weeks stretch there where it looked like we were going to regret that decision. And then now he's been 
blah. Again, he's still 87% rostered as Matt Chapman. That seems high. Third base has been a surprisingly difficult position to fill. For the second straight year, there have just been tons of players there who haven't lived up to expectations. And uh, I could under I, I guess I can understand why Matt Chapman is so rostered, still considering, but still a little high for me. I'm trying to look up the strikeout rate. Yeah, 35.1% in July, 46.2 in August. That's been way up all year. It doesn't seem to be getting better. I'm hopeful. It's just because he was rushed back from hip surgery in the offseason. And uh, hopefully he can get back on track next year. Still only 28. But I don't know. Not feeling it this year, though, for Matt Chapman. Where does he rank? 1 to 10. Drop on the drop meter. I will go. I'll go 8. Eight. So, would yeah. you drop him for Abraham Toro Hernandez? The shallower the league, the easier it is to say yes. But you know, in a deep league, you probably have someone else you can drop for Toro anyway. Mm-hmm. Would you do it for Ty France in a shallower league? Yeah, I think so. All right. Next up, we have Alex Wood. A mm, little questionable on this one. I don't know where I stand still. I'm trying to figure out Alex Wood. I went to the game. Last week on Thursday, Diamondbacks chase field. I saw Alex Wood get ripped by the Diamondbacks. Pitches against them again today. Goes six innings, but he allows five runs. Did have five strikeouts. Only five swinging strikes on 82 pitches. His last five starts, Alex Wood has a 6.10 ERA. The dropometer for Alex Wood. I think he. I think it was one hitting the Diamondbacks through the first five innings, and then it all came apart in the sixth. Sure did. Ah, uh, let's say let's say seven for Wood. The the format that'd be really hard to drop him in is a points league because he has relief pitcher eligibility and yeah. starting pitchers you can put in that relief pitcher spot in that format can be very valuable, at least when they're in line for two starts, as he was this week. You know, he, he still mixes in some good starts, but it's been pretty uneven of late. And uh, his previous four outings were all less than six innings. Next up, we have Max Kepler, who's batting 180 in the second half. Another offer on Tuesday. He's 79% rostered. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. That I got an auto-playing video here. Max Kepler. All right, Max Kepler. <laughs> um, yeah, he's probably like... Let's say seven for him, too. Next up, Casey Mize. He was at the Orioles on Tuesday. Four and a third, five hits, four runs. Velocity down on all five of his pitches between 1.1 and 2.4 miles per hour. He's allowed four runs in three of his last four starts. Could be starting to wear down a little bit here, Scott. Casey Mize is still 86% rostered. Yeah, I kind of defended him after his last start, but... I'm not going to do that this time. I will give him on the dropometer an eight. Michael Conforto, in 43 games since returning back in June, he is batting 175 with a 650 OPS. And we've been trying and trying and waiting and waiting. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Michael Conforto. He's in a contract year two. I thought at some point, you know, that that might factor in and, and he just wakes up. I think he's better, obviously, than the mm-hmm. the player he's shown us thus far, but... He's all the way down to 73% rostered. Should that continue to drop? I mean, I think so. If he's showing no signs of turning it around, the underlying numbers for him have looked pretty much like they've always looked. It's not like he's had big strikeout issues. You know, the exit of velocity, the hard hit rate, they're not 
amazing, but they never were. They weren't last year, you know? So the, the launch angle hasn't really changed. I don't know. It's very strange. Uh, but I, I, I've been talking about Conforto as a buy-low candidate virtually all season, but we're in the middle of August now, you know? So I'll drop a meter. I'll give him a seven. And the only reason it's as low as a seven is because I'm accounting for the five outfielder leagues. Yeah. I, I'm, I would only drop him somewhere where you have nobody else that you can drop, right? Like a shallower league. You just need someone to put in your outfield that can give you something because right now Conforto is giving you nothing. But I'm, I'm looking at the StatCast page too, Scott. I, I'm with you. I just... There's nothing there that says that he should be this bad. So I would try. I would try to hold on to him, but I get it. If you need someone to actually give you some some type of production. Last one here, Tommy Edmond. He did go one for four with his seventh home run of the season on Tuesday. He does have 19 steals, which is also very good. But since the beginning of June, 56 games, Tommy Edmond is batting 228, three homers, nine steals during that span. What is, I mean, he's basically just steals. He's not even giving you many runs scored. Batting average is down. He has a ton yeah, well, of eligibility. He has four different eligibilities, Scott. Where, where is he on the dropo meter? Well, part of the reason he's not scoring runs is because for, for a guy who doesn't hit for much power, he doesn't get on base much either. Yeah. And we've always known that for him, but his, his on base percentage is for the season is, uh, or at least going into Tuesday's action, it was below 300, the on base percentage. So, drop meter for Tommy Edmond. Let's go. Let's go 8. Obviously if if you play in a league where you know like a standard roto league and steals are such a priority for you at this stage of the season that you're willing to take the hit in the other offensive categories then you know I I can see how Tommy Edmond is still a really useful player for you but he's not somebody that really deserves to be protected right now. All right, so a good amount of players that you can drop. Usually we don't get that high on the dropometer, but some high numbers for a lot of players here today. Did you know I have some fantasy fun facts, some statistical tidbits for you. Salvador Perez had a double dong on Tuesday. He's now up to 29 home runs, which is a new career high. It's only August 10th. Did you know that Tuesday was the 10-year anniversary of his Major League debut, Scott? I did not know that. That's right. Salvador Perez. It feels like just yesterday, right? <laughs> he called up. But uh, 10 years now in the bigs, and the power has has been phenomenal for him. 29 homers. Again, he is the number one catcher by uh-huh. far this season in both formats. <laughs> doesn't matter that JT Real Muto is going to give you his six, seven, eight steals. Salvador Perez is crushing it. X-slug, exit velocity, hard hit rate, all in the 91st percentile or better this season for Salvador Perez. He has a career-high hard hit rate. He's been awesome. So, shout-out to Salvador Perez. Eduardo Rodriguez went up against the Rays, five and a third, two runs, eight strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 82 pitches. It has been a wildly inconsistent year for Eduardo Rodriguez. However, he has Mm -hmm. eight strikeouts in four of his last five starts. And did you know, Scott, that over his last eight starts overall, Eduardo Rodriguez has a 3.64 ERA, with a 13% swinging strike rate. I knew the underlying numbers were good. Yeah, I couldn't have quoted those exact ones to you. 331 XFIP, too. So that would, I, I think that would make him fifth among qualifiers, just like Sonny Gray. Uh, and, you know, missing a lot of bats, as you point out. Uh, not uh, the K per nine is great. The BB per nine is 
very good. Uh, but he but he has an ERA over five. So he's he feels like a really hard luck pitcher this year, like one of the most hard luck cases. And you know, the fact that he's now had two good starts in a row, ten strikeouts and two five hitting and five two hit innings last time. Hopefully he's rounding into form here and starting to perform up to the peripherals. So uh yeah, I'd 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 rather have Eduardo Rodriguez than not have him, based on all that. Yeah, he's eighty five percent rostered, so more likely than not, you're not going to be able to add him at this point. Yeah. But if you held on, the fact that over the last eight starts, the numbers are finally kind of bearing out a little bit, uh, I I feel pretty confident in Eduardo I mean, Rodriguez. It's, it's pretty impressive that he's rostered in that many leagues, considering he has this 524 ERA, you know? I think uh, people might actually be listening to us, Scott. Someone, somewhere. Someone, somewhere. Yep. <laughs> uh, did you know... David Fletcher, over his last seven games, he's batting 344 with five steals. He is now up to a career-high 10 stolen bases. So uh, nice to see Fletcher running a little bit here. It enhances his value, obviously, for category leagues. He's usually good for points leagues because he doesn't strike out. He makes a lot of contact and gives you a lot of volume as well. Dylan Carlson, this one's a little bit more interesting. Three more hits on Tuesday. He's still 85% rostered. Did you know his last 19 games... Dylan Carlson's batting 303, five homers, one steal, fly balls, and hard contact way up. Only an 18% strikeout rate during that time. So people held on to Carlson here, Scott, and it seems like they might be rewarded down the stretch based on this recent 20-game stretch. Yeah. If if it is now going to be normal again, that top prospects breaking into the league are going to need a long adjustment period as opposed to the almost zero adjustment period that most of them needed uh, in, in recent years. If, if, if that's not just a temporary change owed to the loss of a minor league season last year, but for whatever reason, um, these guys are going to have a tougher time breaking into the big leagues, then, then we're going to have to recalibrate for that in terms of our own patience level. And maybe that's what what uh, Dylan Carlson's demonstrating now. Maybe maybe he's finally putting it together after being up much of last year and, of course, all of this year and doing virtually nothing. Or maybe he's just hot and, you know, a week from now, we're, we're going to forget all about him. I don't know. But it's possible. It's possible this is him breaking through. We... You know, obviously, good pedigree, still very young. We thought he had upside, and and maybe he's delivering on it now. By the way, David Fletcher, you mentioned 344 batting average over his past seven games, and I know you're mostly pointing out the five steals he had during that stretch, but David Fletcher, going back to June 1st, is batting about 350. That's (laughs) massive. 58 games. He has been, yeah, yeah, he has been, uh, he's been money lately. That's why the steals are huge for him because he's not just empty batting average now. He's leading off. He's giving you some runs scored. He's now giving you mm-hmm. some speed. So nice to see David Fletcher in enhancing his game, expanding his game rather a little bit more. Last one here. Did you know Brandon Lau did go three for four with his 25th home run on Tuesday over his last 54 games? He's batting 263, 16 homers, two steals, 27% strikeout rate, 50% fly ball rate, 263, 16 homers. So, Great for Brandon Lau. I believe that's since 
since the beginning of June. This is who he is, right? The first two months, he was bad. Since June, he's been great. Scott, I moved him up, adjusting the ranks. I'm, I'm still in the process, but I've got a lot to adjust. I moved him <laughs> up inside my, I believe it's top 12 second baseman now. Might be an overreaction, but I moved him ahead of Cattell oh. Marte. Uh, I don't know that I do that. No, I have Cattell Marte sixth. I have Brandon Lau 10th though. So I agree with you that he belongs in the top 12 at second base. This kind of turnaround he's had. And that's what we keep waiting to see from Michael Conforto. Yeah. It's happened for Brandon Lau. It's been happening since the start of June. Where are you Conforto? What are you doing? Where art thou? Michael Conforto, Brandon Lau has been awesome. Anything to see here. Starting pitcher edition. We'll run through a few pitchers who pitched on Tuesday. Jake Odorizzi, Went up against the Rockies. Five shutout, three strikeouts. I did not realize how awful he has been recently. He's down to 58% rostered. Anything to see here? I mean, this starts not not moving the needle for me. Not on its own. All right. Well, how about J-Hab? Good old J-Hab at the Pirates. Six innings, only one hit, one run, five strikeouts. His first two starts with the Cardinals. 11 innings pitched, three runs, nine strikeouts. J-Hab. Yeah, it's going to take a lot more... (laughs) For him to uh, perhaps to be back in the circle of trust. I don't know that he <laughs> when's the last time he was in the circle of trust, right? A long probably the last time was when he was on the Pirates, right? The team that he faced on <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, no, he was great with the Blue Jays too. He and I was. think even with the Yankees, he had some stretches where he was pretty hard to bench. Uh, I don't know, Scott. If he was good with the while. Yankees, I don't remember it because I remember a lot of bad <laughs> from Jay Happ. Yeah, I was wrestling with picking him up in a 15-team Roto League this week because the matchups were so good and I just couldn't do it. I was like, J-Hap is so bad. And then he goes out and does this and I'm I'm just left kicking myself. Tristan McKenzie up against the A's. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. Had 14 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. Pretty impressive. Oakland has the ninth lowest swinging strike rate uh, this season. Tristan McKenzie has quality starts in four of his last six starts. However, Mm -hmm. the only two where he didn't, he allowed 11 earned runs. So... He's yeah. still inconsistent, but you see a start like this, and it's pretty impressive. Well, two good starts in a row. He had been yeah. alternating good and bad starts since coming back from the minors. So, you know, you're probably getting all the bad starts and missing all the good starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the control's definitely been a lot better for McKenzie since his return. He was walking too many guys early in the season. Seven walks between the five starts. And, uh, you know, getting... Getting plenty of whiffs, too. So Tristan McKenzie, I would say, you know, I've compared him to um, Tuki Toussaint in the past as high upside pitchers who just just have trouble with consistency. And I'd say McKenzie, I'm, I'm more interested in rostering him than Toussaint at this point. Would you look to add McKenzie anywhere? 44% rostered? I'm sure. Uh, you know, I wouldn't add him... Yeah, he's not like at Josiah Gray level of needing to be added or, or Logan Webb level. But let's see, who would I drop for Tristan McKenzie? Would you drop Casey Mize for him? Yeah, I could see doing that. Okay. I could, I'm not saying it's a must, but I could see doing it. Okay. Uh, last one here that I have was Drew Smiley. He was up against the Red. Six innings, two runs. Seven strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. Where did that come from? Anything to see here, Drew Smiley? I don't think so. I mean, this looked more like the Drew Smiley the Braves thought they were signing, the one who 
dominated for the Giants in a tiny sample last year. But yeah, I don't really see... It, it's not obvious to me that anything changed between this start and the last, so I'm going to just chalk it up as a fluke for now. Let's rank some outfielders that are rostered in less than 10% of CBS leagues. Chaz McCormick, over his last five games, he has nine hits with one homer and one steal. He's 7% rostered. Adam Engel hit his seventh home run. Last 15 games, 255 batting average, 375 OBP, two homers, four steals, uh, the problem is he hasn't been starting every game. When he started recently, he's been batting second for the White Sox, so that's a pretty valuable spot to be in. 8% rostered is Adam Engel. Lewis Brinson, last 19 games since being recalled, he is batting 328 with three home runs. Strikeout rate, 28%. Still high, a little bit more manageable. He's 7% rostered. And then Hoy Jun Park hit his first home run of the season on Tuesday. He's batting 321 over his first eight games with the Pittsburgh Pirates, 3% rostered. Scott, how would you rank those names? McCormick, mm. Engel, Brenson, and Park. Deep leagues, obviously. Yeah, uh, McCormick, Engel, Brenson, Park. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to care that much uh, between them. I, I would definitely have McCormick. Cormick first because I think he plays the most regular. Well, I mean, Horgin Park and Louis Louis Brinson, I guess, are going to be playing more now. I don't know. Uh, I I think the most potential is Brinson, but we've been able to say that for years now, and uh, it's interesting that he started to heat up. But you know, I'm not I'm not holding my breath. He's finally figured it out somewhere. Nando Dofino is smiling about Lewis Brinson. Some leftovers from Tuesday. Freddie Peralta was at the Cubs. Five and a third, two runs, eight strikeouts. He has now had, uh, he's averaging 94 pitches over his last two starts. That'll definitely work for Freddie Peralta's value. So if he's going to do that, I've got to move him back up my rankings. I dropped him for a little bit because it looked like they were going to use some kind of piggyback situation with him. But the pitch count back up for Freddie Peralta. Sean Manaya got knocked around by Cleveland. Cleveland's hot all of a sudden. Uh, 1.2 innings, five hits, three walks, three earned runs. That's two clunkers in a row for Sean Manaya. I don't see anything drastic in the numbers. Luis Patino at the Red Sox. Six innings, four runs, seven strikeouts, one big blow. He gave up a three-run homer to Hunter Renfro. You see anything here, Scott, worth holding on to Luis Patino? He's 61% rostered, and it just kind of surprises me that it's that high. It, it's probably because he has a two-star week. Yeah. Yeah, you see big swings in roster ship for starting pitchers because of two-star weeks. That's that's not so surprising. I, I mean, he's talented. I think there's a good chance he develops into a good starting pitcher, but he's kind of in that Tristan McKenzie, Tuki Toussaint group right now in that, you know, it's it's... It's talent with occasional blips of production as opposed to something you can really rely on. And so, I mean, Chris nailed it uh, earlier this week talking about Patino. It's, you know, he's so fly ball oriented. It's it's going to be a struggle keeping the ball in the yard. And I don't think right now he's missing enough bats to get away with it. Yeah, no, I think you, it's very well said. They, he has potential. He's just got to find a way to put it all together. And, and right now, really just 
relying on two pitches, that fastball and that slider. So he's got to expand a little bit. Starling Marte picked up his 30th steal of the season. He now has eight steals in 10 games <laughs> with the Oakland A's. It's just a yeah. rapid pace for Starling Marte. A modest seven-game hitting streak for Cody Bellinger. Baby steps, but moving into right direction. Corey Seager put up three hits, including his fifth home run. He now has eight hits over his last five games. Very welcome sight. And then Daniel Lynch was not good against the Yankees. Four and two-thirds, three runs, four walks, six strikeouts, but 17 swinging strikes on 100 pitches for Daniel Lynch. I was a little surprised to see, Scott, that his roster rate is only 22%, considering his previous three starts which were all pretty good for Daniel Lynch. Well, yeah, that's true. They were pretty good in terms of result. Uh, but but I, I think we were less convinced, less than convinced, and I presume a lot of other people were too. But it is interesting that, what else? The swinging strikes, that's what I'm going to point out. Way up in the last two starts. I know the result in this one wasn't good, but 17 swinging strikes, and that was after getting... Uh, let me see here. Lynch, uh, his previous start, 16. So seven, 16 and then 17 swinging strikes his last two starts. I mean, if he can keep that up, then, you know, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be useful. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates. And let's start with the Brewers. Devin Williams picked up his second save of the season with Josh Hader currently on the COVID IL. For the Angels, Rysel Iglesias picked up his 25th save. The Cardinals, Alex Reyes got his 26th save. Uh, For the Braves, Will Smith got his 23rd. For the Twins, Alex Colomay now has four saves over the past seven days. Where was this earlier in the season, Colomay? I needed (laughs) you, buddy. The first year I actually invested in you, you let me down. He's 30% rostered, Scott. I know he's bad, but... I think that number needs to be way higher considering what we know about Taylor Rogers uh, and the Minnesota twins. Well, what do we know about the Minnesota twins that Alex Colomay is their closer right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, the twins are bad. You know, there are a lot of new closers on bad teams. Of course, after the trade deadline, Alex Colomay in Minnesota, uh, Dylan Floro in Miami, Spencer Patton in Texas, Tyler Clippard in Arizona. I've got a Spencer Patton update for you in just a second. Okay. I'm anxious to hear it. We don't know really who's emerged in Pittsburgh, but we hope it's David Bednar. I would, in in terms of talent level, in terms of keeping runs off the board, I would put Colomay near the bottom of that list. So, you know, it's nice that the Twins have given him save chances here recently. Are the Twins that much more likely than any of those other teams to give their closer regular save chances? I don't think so. Could be wrong. But I'm I'm not that motivated to pick up Colome, I guess, at least written at least not relative to those others. Yeah, I mean, again, he's he's not good, but if you need saves, he he's He's the one that's getting them right now, right? So him and, and Kyle Finnegan, right? I, I don't I don't think either uh, one yeah, are that's another one. Yeah. I don't think either are good pitchers, but they are the de facto closers for their respective teams right now. Scott, if you need saves, would you actually drop Craig Kimbrell for Alex Colomay in a categories league? Which just no. sounds so gross. No, no. I, I think the other categories, Kimbrell's still gonna be useful there. Mm-hmm. I'd be more likely to do it in a points league, probably. Because what do you care about reliever ratios in a points league? And it makes a very small difference. Yeah. 
But in a points league, you can probably do better than column A off the waiver wire because it's rare that all closers are rostered in a points league. All right, Spencer Patton update. What everybody was waiting for here. Came in in the bottom of the ninth in a one-run game. He walked Jake Bowers. He walked Jared Kelnick. He gave up a single to Cal Raleigh, which loaded the bases. He then walked Jake Fraley, tying the game. Proceeded to strike out J.P. Crawford, strike out Mitch Hanniger, and then was relieved by Brett Martin, who got Kyle Seeger to fly out. So <laughs> Spencer Patton blows the save, then d- does just enough to keep the game going and will not even get the win if they find a way to hold on to this lead. So thanks a lot, So Spencer Joe Patton. Barlow, you know, Spencer Patton, 33 years old, no major league track record. It was kind of surprising he was doing what he was doing and it wasn't over a very big sample. So um, he does seem to like he's kind of falling apart here. Joe Barlow is like the new Spencer Patton. He's come up even more recently. His numbers are awesome. He's only 25. So he's somebody I might keep an eye on if you if you want to speculate, if you, if you have to speculate that deep for saves. Yeah, no, definitely a name to pay attention to. Joe Barlow, up over 12K per nine at this point. Only 12 and two-thirds innings pitched, but uh, has only given up one run so far this season. A few other by the, updates. By the way, in that same game for the Mariners, Diego Castillo worked the eighth again. Mm. Paul Seawald worked the ninth and actually gave up the lead. He, he entered a tie game. He allowed a solo home run. So I don't know. I would be interested. I would imagine that it was a tougher part of the lineup. Eh, it was, I think that's nine, one and two. Couldn't really tell you what the Rangers lineup is nowadays. Yeah. Nine, one and two. So Diego Castillo faced that part of the lineup. And then Paul Seawold came in in the ninth Gave up that home run to who? Adolis Garcia, who we just spoke about earlier. A few other updates uh, for Cleveland. James Karinchak allowed a game-tying run in the eighth inning. Emmanuel Class A pitched a scoreless nine. We've said before we think this is very clearly Class A's job for the time being. Uh, and then for the Giants, Jake McGee allowed two runs, took his third blown save of the season in the ninth inning. Tyler Rogers pitched in the eighth. Some streamers to stream or not to stream for Wednesday. First up, we have Ryan Weathers versus the Marlins, Matt Harvey versus the Tigers, who is the Dark Knight. He is not Harvey Dent. And I don't know what Chris was getting at yesterday. He's not Two-Face. Well, maybe he is now. But Cal Quantrill versus the A's, Joe Ross at the Mets, Merrill Kelly at the Giants, Tyler Anderson versus the Rangers. Uh, Joe Ross at the Mets. That's definitely my favorite. I could see Tyler Anderson versus the Rangers going well. I could see Merrill Kelly at San Francisco going well just because he's on such a run right now. But by far the one I trust most most is Joe Ross at the Mets. For Thursday, Logan Webb versus the Rockies, which is, yes, automatic stream. Add him, keep him on your team. He's more than a streamer, but he's less than 70% rostered, so I did include him here. Marco Gonzalez versus the Rangers. Eli Morgan versus the A's. Kyle Muller versus the Reds. Vladimir Gutierrez at the Braves. And our good friend, JT Brubaker versus the Cardinals. No, get him out of (laughs) here. It's over. It's over for me and Brubaker. We're we're, uh, broken up. (laughs) <laughs> it sounded better in my head Marco <laughs> Gonzalez versus the Rangers uh, you know I don't love it but that's that's my second choice to the obvious Logan Webb one mm, yeah I'm trying to search for a third one here there's not really anything that stands out to me Muller's been a little inconsistent Gutierrez against the Braves that sounds kind of scary 
maybe Eli Morgan, but probably not. Let's go with Logan Webb and Marco Gonzalez. Going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.